Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about the trap of social media. So, I try and use social media as little as possible. And obviously, given my work, what I'm doing online, and all that sort of stuff, I have to use it in a professional sense. But what I mean by cutting down to a minimum is I try not to spend any time if possible just scrolling through or just using it as a user. And I understand the inherent contradiction here, but I want to explain to you why. Basically, the reason why is that social media distorts reality. But I want to I want to really delve into the reasons why this happens. So just for a moment, I want you to take a step back from your social media and attempt to look at it as a whole. There are a few major plays, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Tumblr, those sort of things, and a bunch of minor, minor plays that are all vying for our attention. They're actually businesses that are in competition. So be aware that when you're spending time on Facebook, you are not on Twitter, you are not on Snapchat, you are not on Instagram. So there's there's a push here on their behalves to get us on their websites. Why do they want us there? Because they can sell advertisement revenue. The more that we're on, the more money they make. So it's in their best interests to design a platform that keeps our attention on them for as long as possible. Or alternatively, encourages us to keep coming back to their platform as much as possible. So that might be obvious, but... What isn't obvious necessarily is how they do it. I like to use the analogy of one shopping mall competing with a neighbouring shopping mall for walkthrough traffic. In this case, the shopping mall is the social media platform. And the shops inside the shopping mall, the things we're actually there to go and look at and go and purchase from, are the pages and your friends and the content that's on the pages, on the social media sites themselves. You know, you don't really judge a mall by the overall quality of the mall, you judge it by this type of shops that are in that mall. So when you think about it, that's what social media platforms are sort of like. They're trying to get us to shop in their mall, so to speak. So what they do is a number of things. For one, the platforms themselves are designed in a way that keeps you there. So there's a bunch of little tricks that they'll do, but they're constantly updating and changing. And the reason for those constant updates and changes is that they want to stay prevalent in the forefront of our minds, and they want to be optimized to suit our basic needs and what we as human users want from them. So let's say there's a particular color that's more appealing than another particular color. The social media sites will veer towards that color that suits their branding and their marketing and their content. If there's a particular type of process of notifications that gets people to keep coming back to them, they will. For example, I know Twitter takes a little while, so you log in and it takes a few seconds for, maybe only one second, for the notifications to pop up. They could pop up instantly, but the reason they don't pop up instantly is that it gives you that little bit of excitement of, oh, how much, how much notifications, how much likes, how much follows, retweets, whatever have I gotten? And that's one little trick that keeps you there and keeps you on edge. You know, another thing, for example, that Snapchat might do is the Snapchat streaks. The only purpose of the Snapchat streak is to keep you coming back onto the platform to keep your streaks going. And for those that don't know, basically Snapchat is a site, you take a picture, you can send it to other people. It's like a social media platform. A streak is when you have sent a message or a picture 
to someone and they send one back to you and your streak goes up each day. And if you fail to send a picture in a particular day, forward and back, you lose your streak. So some people have streaks of hundreds, if not thousands of days of this streak. What does that do? Well, effectively nothing, but you get to say, hey, I've got a good streak on my Snapchat. It's just another way of keeping you on the site. This is why the if you've got a smartphone, the social media sites will want to give you those push notifications because you might not go onto the website, but if it pops up on your phone like a text message would, you're more likely to go straight to that social media site and click on. Once you're on the site, you're likely to spend a bunch more time there. So let's say like, you know, a notification pops up, you check online, you've got a notification, you look through, now you're on, now you're scrolling, now you're scrolling, now you're scrolling, five, 10, 15 minutes later, and you're off again. The whole reason for that, that they want you to have those push notifications is to get you onto the site and to keep you coming back. Now, this is okay. They, they want your business. They want your patronage. But let's look a little bit deeper. They're showing you images and pictures and content and videos and blogs and articles that are most likely to engage you. If you think about it, you don't actually get to see all of the posts that your friends and family are posting or the pages that you like are posting. And you can do a very quick test on this. Go onto your social media and look up a friend that you've not seen post online for ages. Look up a few of these just to make sure and scroll down their posts. And what you'll be able to see is that they've in fact been posting quite regularly the whole time. But because Facebook doesn't think that you'll be engaged by them, because you haven't engaged with these people much in the past, those pictures and those posts and those articles that that person is saying is actually being hidden from your view. And they do this for a reason. The main one is, is that if we saw everything that everyone posted, our feeds would be flooded and it would just be quite chaotic. So what they've done is they've developed an algorithm and this is you know constantly getting evolved and changing that will best work out what you, they think that you will want to see and show it to you. So how do they work out what you think you would want to see? Well, they look at what you engage with currently. This is all done through tracking your usage online and you can look up social media algorithms on Google just to get an idea of you know, the in-depth of how this works. But basically, if you think about it, the same way that advertisements are targeted towards you, the same thing as social media platforms will target their content towards you. They'll look at your age, your gender, your spending habits, what you've, what information you've told them about online, the hashtags you use, the different pages of different sites you go on. Basically, everything that you do online is being fed into these algorithms and that's used to show you the content that you're seeing. Now, this could be and it is suggested as a good thing, as in, you know, you're being shown only what you want to see. And on the surface, it makes sense. It's like, yeah, well, of course I want to see what I want to see. And I don't want to see the boring stuff. Please, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, filter the other stuff that I don't want to see and only show me the stuff I want to see. That sounds good on the surface. But in reality, there's a little bit of, there's a bit of an issue there. And the reason is, is that it's a distortion. Let's take a example of something that you might feel quite strongly about. So let's go like any sort of activism, like veganism or feminism or politics or, you know, natural environment or something like that. And you start liking and sharing and commenting on posts related to this. So then Facebook will pick up on that and start showing you more of those same sort of content both from the positive and the negative side, people agreeing with you and people disagreeing with you. And you'll fall down this rabbit hole, you know, and you can you can test this yourself, like pick a topic that you're not that into at the moment that you've never really looked at, maybe conspiracy theories, and start watching a few few videos and just watch watch a bunch, not, not even watch them, just like click on, click off, click on, click off of a bunch of these things on conspiracy theories, for example. And then just watch how your face, Facebook feed changes or your social media feed changes. 
you'll all of a sudden see that when you go on YouTube, a bunch of recommended videos to you will be conspiracy based. You'll go on Facebook and the pages and the pictures that pop up will be based on more conspiratorial things. So what, what's actually happening is here is by these algorithms are effectively putting into an echo chamber. So if we go back to the veganism example, if you're strong on veganism, you'll end up only seeing posts that relate to veganism, either positive or negative. And that will make you feel like the whole world is talking about your topic and that every issue in the world is based around your topic that you're talking about. The problem is, is that the world isn't that black and white. There are more than two sides to any particular issue. And if you look at the world's issues in just this black and white us and them mentality, you can have this real disconnect from what reality is like. And I think I think this is part of the reason why the American elections were so shocking. There was this up and us and them campaign. If you're a liberal and supporting of Hillary Clinton, everything Trump says and does is just the devil's work. And the alternative is true. If you're a Trump supporter, everything that Hillary Clinton is saying is the devil's work. And there was very little room for discussion because you're either shown things on your social media that very much support you and you're like, yeah, I agree with that. And you'll add your agreeing comments or you'll be shown something that is completely just inflammatory against you. And it could be the worst example or things taken out of context or just presented to you with quote minds and that whole stuff that just isn't very relative to the actual truth of the opposing side's arguments. You know, when Obama was president, I only saw positive things about him. Why? Because for whatever reason, Facebook and other social media sites thought that that's what I wanted to see. And now conversely, it thinks that I'm against Trump. And so I'm only seeing negative things about him. I rarely see positive things. And if I do, it's it's just presented in a way that just isn't real. I'm not seeing the truth of it. It's actually very hard for me to see the positive sides of his arguments, because most of the people and most of the sites that I go on are left slanted, supposedly, according to the algorithms that I'm get, getting projected to. The problem with all this is, is that I'm seeing a slanted view of reality. I'm not seeing what is actually happening in the world. I'm just seeing confirmation bias of what I've already seen. And this, it might not seem like that big an issue, but over time, what that does is that it shows you, you're not, you're not seeing the world for what it is. You're seeing just part of the world that you've already agreed with it. It's sort of self-confirming that. And why this is bad for your mental health is that, you know, you're not being shown things that are designed to make you feel better or that will uplift you or that will do anything positive for you. You're being shown things that will engage you and there's a strong difference there. For example, let's say I get upset. Let's say I'm a, I'm a vegetarian or vegan and I'm actually very upset by seeing, you know, pictures of animals or slaughter, all that sort of stuff. I'm being triggered by it. And this could be, you know, if you've had experiences with, sexual sexual assault or child abuse or mental health or you know anything that could be triggering if all the stuff you see online starts to be that same triggering approach you'll start to feel like the world is full of people that are basically you know suffering the way that you've suffered let's say you've you've dealt with domestic violence and you start posting and talking about domestic violence you'll see a bunch of domestic violence posts pop up that will make you feel like the whole world is suffering from domestic violence, when in fact, if you look at the stats, it's a lot less than your social media feeds will show you. But the thing is, the the social media feeds will gain this content from your friends, but not all of your friends, only the friends that are posting the things that you're talking about. So to you, your whole online world will consist of people that are suffering what you've suffered from. If you face domestic violence and you're talking about that, 
you'll be getting shown feeds and pictures and content from other people on your social media feeds, your friends that are talking about the same issue that you're talking about. So it'll feel like your whole social group, your whole world, or the whole world, is suffering from domestic violence, or has an issue with Donald Trump, or has had had issues in the past with mental illness, or whatever the problem is, or the thing that you're talking about is. You're not being shown things that will uplift you. You're being shown things that will engage you. So, with all that in mind, what can we do about this process? Well, for me, I personally try to cut my social media use to a minimum. Now, that's on a personal level. I don't like scrolling through. I don't like being on social media any more than I have to be. Obviously, I post my content on social media, and I hope that people that want to see me will see my stuff, which is why I encourage people to like and share, because the more you like and share my stuff, the more it tells the social media uh, feeds that basically you want to see my content. But, you know, I have to get my stuff out there in some way. It's sort of like the the um, double-sided sword. I like social media because it gets me closer to the people that I want to be closer to. But I'm also wary of how it's being used. What I would prefer to do is if I find someone that I like, I would prefer to subscribe to their email list or direct some sort of direct notification from the person because that way I can see the content from the person that I want to see. For example, like a podcast, um, if you subscribe to a podcast, you get to see the notifications of when that person releases the podcast, not when the Facebook feed decides to show you a clip from that person, if you see the distinction there. So personally, I like to cut it down to as little as possible. I use it to socialize, to connect, to catch up. But when I find myself scrolling, I, I generally like to, to cut it down and minimize it as much as possible. Not only for the mental health reasons, but also for the time-saving reasons. If you consider how much time people can spend online, and you know, if you've got an iPhone, I'm sure you can do this on Android as well. I know you can do it on an iPhone. Go into your battery settings and click um, the usage and press the little clock button. And you can see what percentage of time you're, you spent on the screen. So like if you pop it open, you might see... 30 minutes on Snapchat, 50 minutes on Facebook, whatever. You can actually look at how much time you spent over the past day on a particular version of social media. Why this matters is that until you check up, you might actually be surprised at how much you're using it because, you know, you, you check on, you check off, you check on, you check off, and it might not feel like you're doing it much, but over time it adds up. I read a study and I can't find the, the link to it. I'll do my best to link it in the bottom. But basically it was saying that people spend on average Sorry, click onto Facebook on average 150 times. That means you check your Facebook 150 times per day. And if you think about it, you've checked Facebook, and then while you're on your phone checking social media, you probably open up Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter, and you go through that cycle. And once you've gone through the cycle, you start again because maybe something new has been posted or responded to what you just posted. Now, until you start working out how much time of your day that's actually taking, it might not seem like it's taking much. But for me, those are hours that I want of my life back. And there's some very quick maths that you can do. Take the total amount of time that you spend on social media in hours per day. So let's say it's one hour per day. And I want you to divide that by 24. So you'll put up your calculator. You go one divided by 24, and you get times it by the average life expectancy, which is roughly 80. So total time used, in this case, one hour, one divided by 24 times by 80. And that will give you an answer of 3.3. And what that means is it's 3.3 years continuous. If you spend one hour of social media per day and you did that every day of your whole life, you'll end up spending 3.3 years continuous on social media. That's no eating, sleeping, drinking, toileting, showering, doing anything other than being on your phone, scrolling through 
social media. 3.3 years is a lot of time. So if you spend three hours online every day, that's about 10 years of time. That's longer than the whole time you were probably at school for. Straight. For me, I don't have the time to waste on there. But until I checked and worked out how much time I was spending on social media, I didn't realize that I needed to cut it down. I could go on and on about my issues with social media and this whole sort of algorithms that start, you know, showing us different things and putting us into an online echo chamber and that sort of stuff. And one of my goals moving forward will be to write a fictional dystopia that sort of goes into depth and sort of explains the the trap that we're sort of putting ourselves into. And we're all sort of just willingly going into this approach without even really considering what we're doing. We just sort of, all right, we're on social media, we use Facebook, we use Twitter, we use Instagram, but we don't really consider what's that what that's doing to us. If you think about humanity from an evolutionary perspective, we evolved in bands of 50 to 150 humans. What that means is, is that we're designed to understand and feel and connect with groups of people that are small, you know, 50 to 150 people. We're not designed to take in the information of thousands, millions, or billions of people. But through the internet and social media in particular, we're exposed to the whole world's problems, the whole world's emotions and trends and all that sort of stuff. And we're just not, we've just not evolved to deal with that. And that's obviously going to have an impact upon our psyche. I don't know ultimately if it would be a good or a bad change, but I know that if I spend personally, if I spend too much time online, I start to get sort of too bound up and wound up in the woes of the world. If you think about the reality of the situation, your own reality compared to the reality that you see online, you'll notice that there's a stark difference. So I just want you to, I want you to, I want you to leave with this idea. Consider your own life as it is now, your family life, your home life, your work life, your social life, and compare what you see now to what you think about and what you see and all of the things that you see online, including what's actually happening, but also the implications and the intentions of people and all of that sort of stuff. Compare your real life now to what you see online, and you'll probably find that the life that you're, you're living, your reality is a lot better than the reality that you see online. If you think about it, we could spend hours and hours and hours and hours looking up and contemplating the worst that's happening in the world. And yeah, I get it. There's bad stuff happening all the time, but it might not be happening in your life currently. Stay abreast of the news all you like, but be aware that your reality, your life might be a lot more happier than the worst of humanity, the worst that humanity is suffering right now, all the time, all around the world. Are you sort of following what I'm saying here? It's not necessarily your life might seem bad because you're listening to all of this sort of stuff online. And, you know, if you, if you look around the world, of course, bad stuff happening, but it might not be happening in your life right now. I'm not sure that it's completely healthy to spend all of our time online looking at the worst of the worst of the worst when we could be stepping back from it. Stay aware if you feel like you need to. But just limit that time spent. You don't need to be always knowing that there's war and rape and violence and pillaging and coercion and geopolitics and this whole stuff happening all the time. Look at what your life is happening right now. Take some time to meditate, look around, talk to people, jump offline and consider what your life is now. Thanks. Thanks. 
I just wanted to end this podcast with a little bit of a call for your support. I've started up a Patreon, and this is basically a site in which people that follow someone that they like can pledge to donate a certain amount of money per month to help support what they're doing. So I've started mine up, and it can be found at patreon.com slash Zach P. Phillips. And all I'm asking from you is a monthly donation of $1. Just $1. And the reason I'm asking for such a small amount is because on your end, $1 is basically insignificant. I don't want to ask for any amount of anyone that people can't afford. But since $1 is such a small amount per month, I feel like it would be almost unnoticeable on your end. However, if a lot of you get together and give me something that is unnoticeable on your end, it would actually provide a massive contribution on my end. What it would enable me to do would be to be able to release more blogs, more more podcasts, more videos, and start make, getting this into more of a full-time occupation for me. I'm finding that a lot of people are getting a lot of benefit from what I'm doing, and they're asking for more content on a variety of topics, but you know, life's life, and I have to be able to support myself and support my family. So all I'm asking you to do is to head over to patreon.com slash Zach P. Phillips and consider contributing $1 per month because it might not seem like much, but it would go a long way to helping me to get the word out more and getting more content online. So please consider that. And if you like, please follow me on social media at Zach P. Phillips and ask me any questions you have. And in the next episode, I'll do some Q&A. Thanks.